Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. South Carolina State found their new head football coach at Benedict College, and now Chinnis Berry is bringing Benedict College to South Carolina State. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and you get $150 back in bonus bets if you put down a $5 bet that wins. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. We'll look at the HBCU Brick City Classic and who Hampton will be facing in the second year of the game. Prior to that, it's starting to feel like the SIAC men's basketball race. It runs through ATL. Now, we kick off today's episode with an interesting National Signing Day conversation. I will try to get National Signing Day at least over the next two days, not including today. So today, Wednesday, and Thursday, I will try to get National Signing Day conversations into all three of those episodes, probably as the leadoff. But I wanted to start off today with a South Carolina State conversation, because we all know that Chinnis Berry came from Benedict College. That's the new South Carolina State head football coach. We expected that to happen, and that is what happened. But it seems as if the former Benedict College head coach is now bringing Benedict College to South Carolina State. This is, this is not a very difficult thing to do geographically. I looked it up today. I knew they were both in the state, of course, but I looked up just how far apart they were. Benedict College and South Carolina State are just an hour apart. You could drive between both of those conferences or both of those colleges in one day. Like, it's not a very far stretch. Matter of fact, depending on what kind of driver that, that Barry is, he could have had his same house. Maybe he was right in the middle, just drove 30 minutes to Benedict. Now he only has to drive 30 minutes to South Carolina State. Depending on, you know, people would have their different tendencies and habits and what they like to do and whatnot in drive time. But that's how close that these schools are. So geographically, it's not very difficult to bring Benedict College to South Carolina State. I'm not a native of South Carolina. That may be the same thing. 
Because I could tell you this, he's still recruiting the same kids. He's still recruiting the same kids. He and Buddy Pugh likely were in the same high schools looking at some of the similar kids or at least some of the same teams in the same districts. Like, this is a very familiar area for Chinnisbury. And that's why I felt like South Carolina State could have a really good recruiting class in year one. You're bringing somebody who already knows the area and the area knows him, but he's also bringing a new energy. And with a new energy for some, it just creates more intrigue. He creates more buy-in. It's not that Buddy Pugh was a bad coach. It's like, this is Buddy freaking Pugh. Let's be respectful, right? It's just the simple fact of sometimes when you change, people are like, I want to be a part of that change, especially when you're looking at year one. So it wasn't hard to bring Benedict College to South Carolina State geographically or in the same areas, anything like that. But Shittis Berry has brought his former school to his new school in a way that I never saw coming. It's not his attitude or his mindset or his philosophy and scheme. He's literally bringing a lot of players from Benedict College over to South Carolina State. The Bulldogs have a 20-man recruiting class in 2024. Ten of those men are from Benedict College. Ten of those men are transfers from Chinnisbury's old school. Now, I know that coaches leave and players come with them, but 10 feels like a lot. 10 is nearly an entire starting lineup on one side of the ball. You're looking at Damon Wilson. He didn't get 10 players. I don't remember 10 Bowie State players going over from Bowie State to Morgan State when he went. I don't remember that. You know, and when we're talking about D2 players, I actually think about a former Bowie State player who did not follow. Damon Wilson. I think about Jordan Carter, who went from Bowie to Southern. And when he went to Southern, he became, or not saying he wasn't good already, but like he was an all swipe player for the Jaguars. That's who I think about when I think of D2 players who went on to the FCS level and played at a high level. But here's the other thing that kind of gets me is if you ask a fan, they'll tell you we should not lose to a D2 team. They'll tell you that. Alabama State ain't trying to lose to nobody, fam. You ain't trying to lose to nobody. Alabama AM ain't trying to lose to nobody. Uh, Central ain't trying to lose. Like, you see these things like, we shouldn't lose to them. I had the, I think it was the Virginia State head coach last year was quoting saying how it's kind of unfair to call them and Norfolk a rivalry. Now, they went on to beat Norfolk, but you see the conversation that even the D2 coaches have. So it's just it's just different, right? And that's not about the talent level. But at the same time, to bring so many players from a D2 HBCU, I'm fascinated to see how it works. I'm not counting them out because Benedict College was not one of, your, one of your average HBCUs. First in the C in the SIAC, I'm trying to get better, so forgive me if I relapse on that. But first in the SIAC in offense, first in defense, they were dominant. And when they bring over 10 players, they're not bringing over Rudy Poos. They're not bringing over personal favorites. They're bringing over heavy hitters. When you look at who Benedict College is bringing over from BC, who Chinnisberry is bringing over from his former college to his new college, you're looking at Duhart, the leading running back who's coming into a team that already had good running backs last year. And you know what I, what I always say, Barry is going to be a guy who's going to get the most out of the running back unit. So this is going to be a nice addition. 
Caden High, the leading wide receiver from the team, top 10 in the in the conference last year. You're looking at Jaden Broughton. You're looking at him as the leader in sacks and tackles for a loss in the conference, let alone for the team. They're bringing over three defensive backs. Barry is good. He's a great coach. But I'm really interested to see how much do these players contribute to the team this year. When you're looking at South Carolina State, how many of their main contributors? Will Duhart be the leading running back? Will Caden Hyde be the leading wide receiver? Will Broughton be another guy who is leading the charge as far as pass rush? Will they have the same impact that they had on Benedict College onto South Carolina State? When you're bringing over that many players from your former school, that's what I have to know. The fact that he brought in 10 players from Benedict College piqued my interest. What these 10 players do and how much they contribute in the 2024 season, we won't notice for some months, but how much they contribute during the season is what's truly fascinating to me. I want to look at something else that's a little bit fascinating, and that's the SIAC men's basketball race. Because to me, the conversation on who is the best team in the conference, who will be the best team in the conference, that runs through Atlanta. It's Morehouse and Clark Atlanta. That's where my focus is, but my peripheral does allow me to see a couple of other teams as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. The NFL season is over. The Kansas City Chiefs have repeated as NFL Super Bowl champions. And I know a lot of people made some money on that because they probably picked the Chiefs to be the champions at the beginning of the season. We'll have the futures very soon. You have futures very soon. Probably have some draft odds coming up soon. But in addition to that, you can also focus on basketball. And speaking of drafts, let's look at the guys who are leading the charge for young players, guys like Anthony Edwards, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I like the little back and forth they had, especially SGA. He's had a back and forth with Steph as well. What about Wimby? What about Brandon Miller? What about some of these players who are young stars and then coming into their own? Make some money off of them. Don't lean on the Bron Brons. Don't lean on the Stephs, the KDs. Don't lead on them. Lean on or take a chance on some of these guys. And if you're new to FanDuel, take that chance with a $5 bet. If you win it, you make $150 back in bonus bets. So win $150 back in bonus bets if you're new to FanDuel, as long as you win a $5 bet. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked On Sports today, all day, every day, 24-7, first of its kind sports network on YouTube. All you have to do is go to Locked On Sports, 
today and subscribe. So it's that simple. Now, let's look at this men's basketball out here in the SIAC. I could say that the entire conference runs through Atlanta, but when looking at how the conference kind of operates, it feels a tad bit unfair to say that because only the, the SIAC East can actually run through Atlanta because when the conference does their tournament at the end of the season, they split it up. So it's not like the SWAC and the MEAC where at the end of the conference, the standings are the standings, and that's going to be the rankings. The SIAC, they have a East division and they have a West division, and they battle it out that way. So you'll have two number one seeds. There's one team that is a quality squad that's not in the East. However, the other three quality squads are in that conference. So it's enough to say that the East runs through Atlanta. And I also do believe that the best team in the conference race in that conversation also must run through Atlanta. And in the case, we're just wondering, what does that mean? Because we ain't talking about the Falcons. Lord knows we're not talking about, we're talking about leading stuff. So we're not talking about the Falcons. We're not talking about the Hawks. Uh, we're not talking about the dream. We're not talking about the brave. Like we, we, we speaking about Morehouse and Clark Atlanta. When I say that the SIAC in the conversation of who's the best team in that conference runs through Atlanta. I'm speaking strictly on CAU and the house. That's who I'm speaking about. And when you're looking at just the eye test of, of who's winning, who's, who's succeeding, it's looking at these two teams. You're looking at Clark Atlanta, who I've told you has been on a long win streak. I was like, please don't let me give them the kiss of death. And I didn't. I didn't give the team the kiss of death. Instead, I just spoke on their winning streak, moved on. I don't even think I knocked on wood this time. It's hurting my superstition. You know, very superstitious. Now, anyway, I like the team. Won 12 games in a row. That has to speak for itself. When you're looking at a team that has won 12 games in a row in the conference, that has to speak for itself, but I'll allow myself to attempt to elaborate and make this even greater. But I don't know if there's anything better than 12 games. The one thing that I can say is they've knocked off Miles, or excuse me, they knocked off Benedict, and they've also knocked off Morehouse in their 12 game winning streak. And that's the reason why they're tied with Morehouse record wise. But when you look at tiebreakers, they're actually ahead of them, both 13 and three. But now you're looking at a team in the Clark Atlanta that has. They won 12 games in a row. So they were one and three at one point and they regained all of their luster, all of their, their, their uh, hot start, all of the attributes of their hot start. It's back. This is now the team we saw at the beginning. And I really think that that quote from the head coach is going to be something that defines the season, especially if we go into the tournament and Clark comes up victorious in that aspect as well. Now you got, the leading scorer on that team. And then you look at Morehouse, who there's not as much excitement as 12 games, but they have won four in a row. And the last time they lost was to this team. And that's Clark Atlanta. So that's the last team that was able to beat Morehouse. Or excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last team that was able to beat Morehouse. And when you look at this team and you look at these two teams, it's hard not to say with them being as hot as they are, that they're not the best. It's hard to say that they aren't the best team in the conference. I can focus, but I'd be ignorant to just isolate. I can focus on Morehouse. I can focus on Clark, but Benedict's only one game back. And until Benedict College is one game, more than one game back, 
I can't rule them out. That conversation has to still be had with them involved. Even if you want to say, and I said something very similar yesterday about Texas Southern, even if you want to say, hey, Morehouse, Clark, those are the two best teams. Well, you can't talk about a race for number one and not mention the team that's one game behind, right? Like that's not much. And it's not as if Benedict has to come out and beat them every single time. It's not that at all. They could also just stay steady, right? They've lost a couple of games back to back, but maybe they just can steady out. And all that has to happen is Benedict loses a couple games. Morehouse loses a couple games. Maybe you're able to go on a four-game, five-game winning streak of your own. And now, bada-boom, bada-bing, you're right back at number one in this thing. Now you're back leading the SIAC East. You know, so it's it's one of those things to me, to me, this is a very tight race. I look at Miles and, you know, my Clark's so hot, Morehouse so hot, they're not going to lose a couple of games. There was I didn't think that Benedict would lose a couple of games. You know, Morehouse or Miles didn't seem like they were going to go on a four game win streak the way that they did. You know, like like these things, the the, the season has ups and downs and you got to just ride those waves. And at the end of the day. You're looking at Clark, who is on an extremely high wave. And maybe they lose a couple of games. It doesn't make them a bad team, but they could lose a couple of games. All it takes is for another team to ride a high wave the same way that Clark is right now. And then it's only a game difference. This is not hard. And they'll play again, right? I think Benedict plays both Morehouse and Clark one more time. They have the opportunity to beat both of those teams. So they don't even need as much help. Just get Morehouse and Clark have to play each other. Benedict gets to play both of those teams. If they can just remain one game behind the two of them each time, each time, each time they come out and they beat them, but now they'll be ahead of at least one of those teams on the record without a tiebreaker. So this will be something that I think is very fascinating. I am secretly hoping that Morehouse and Clark win their games tonight because they actually face off on Saturday. And I think that will be a great lead up into a battle for number one. So I'll be interested to watch these games and check them out. So I will do that on Saturday and you will too, because you need to understand these are the two top teams in the conference facing off. And that makes this must watch basketball on February 17th. Now, as we push forward, we're going to look forward far, far forward, get your binoculars out because we're going to look all the way to the end of August, specifically August 31st in the HBCU brick city classic. As we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Now, this is my ride or die, literally, right? Because you're looking at a car. Get from point A to point B. But for a lot of us, our car means more than transportation. A lot of us, we name our vehicles. Once you name your vehicle, it ain't just about getting from there to there. It ain't just about getting from here to wherever you're trying to go get something to eat. It's about wanting to ride in style it's about wanting to ride smooth right you want to be able to fix up your car in a way to where you don't have any problems and that's what you can go on ebaymotors.com for that's what you can go on there and say this is my car i got a 2007 honda accord let's go ahead and put this into the my garage section and i'll see the carbonator that works for it or that fits for it i'll see some of the rear bumpers the front bump like you'll see all of these things that fit your car the guarantee fit as long as you're in America and the U.S. customers are the only ones able to get this. But go to ebaymotors.com, choose your car, 
or put your car in and choose what it is that you need. So you're going to go to ebaymotors.com, whether you need to fix up your car, if you just want to make it look a little bit nicer, all of those things are possible. ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. The HBCU Brick City Classic continues the Northeastern exposure that HBCUs have been going on, at least from my knowledge, very recently. So the HBCU Brick City Classic is going to be in 2024, Hampton University versus Morgan State University. And we're looking at football now. Like I said, we're at the end of August, so we're now in football season, the, the most wonderful time of the year, like they like to say for that time of December. For me, this is the most wonderful time of the year. So they'll open up the game, open up the season against each other, and obviously it'll be non-conference. You know, Hampton is in the CAA. Morgan State is in the MEAC. They're old foes, but this is not a conference game. This is the second year in a row that Hampton will be a part of this game. This is actually the second year of the game's existence, and Hampton is looking for their second victory. This, to me, is bigger than Morgan State versus Hampton. This is bigger than just two old MEAC foes going at it. For me, this is representative of the continued attempts to increase HBCU exposure in the Northeast, whether that's New York or that's New Jersey. This game is in Newark, New Jersey, for y'all who didn't know what Brick City was, right? That's Brick City, Newark, New Jersey. And that's where the game will be. But this isn't one-off. This is something, and I don't just mean because it was the second of its kind. This is something I've seen very frequently. The Invesco QQQ Classic, that's in Newark, New Jersey. And I understand that that is the intention of it being in Newark is likely more because that's Michael B. Jordan's hometown. But at the same time, the impact is the same. Maybe the maybe the intention is different. But the impact that is achieved is still the same. And that's exposure for HBCUs in an area where HBCUs simply are not at. You don't see them in New York. You don't see them in New Jersey. I've talked to Coach G about this before, or I've heard him say it, one of the two, that you just don't see a lot of HBCU representation up north in that area either. And he was coaching and teaching in the New York area. So he's qualified to speak on this from an academic standpoint and then also from an athletic standpoint. So I do value that opinion when he utters it. You've had this game. You've had the Invesco QQQ, Invesco QQQ Classic. You've had the HBCU New York Classic. Uh, between Morehouse and I think it was Albany State last year. Um, You're looking at Grambling versus Hampton last year in this game. This is something that I have noticed. This isn't the West Coast, but the CP3 games that have highlighted HBCU basketball on the D1 and D2 ranks. This was meant to bring exposure to a place where HBCUs are not prevalent. It's way easier for a kid in Houston, for a kid in in New Orleans or Baton Rouge or or Huntsville or Montgomery or, or Miami. Like like it's very easy for these people to be aware of HBCUs. But if you out there on the West Coast, maybe you're not even thinking about that. Maybe you're not even thinking about a school like Prairie view you know like that's not on your radar because it's not what you're seeing a lot 
Maybe they don't have a strong alumni base out there. Or maybe that's just like, hey, I know the big schools and I know some of the local schools, which there's nothing wrong with that. Because a lot of times that's what you're shown. I can speak from example. I grew up in North Texas, which is far from Houston. And this was not something I was regularly spoken about. Granted, I was the first one in my family to go to college. So that probably plays a part in the household. But from a school standpoint, TSU wasn't overly discussed until I really once I got introduced to Texas Southern, I got hooked on Texas Southern. Right. Um, but I was 15, 16. And I've been here in my colleges for years before that. That was just around the time I started taking my collegiate search serious. And I did my search. You know, so that's how I was able to find these things and, and gain more interest in them. But the point is, you're bringing exposure to areas where they typically aren't at. And I can appreciate that as somebody who wasn't overly exposed to many colleges, but specifically HBCUs as a youth. Now, when you look at the game itself, Morgan State versus Hampton, Morgan State is a, a former MEAC foe for Hampton, but they haven't faced off since 2016. And Hampton left the conference after the 2017 season. So they just didn't play in that last season that Hampton was in the MEAC. But at the same time, if you want to talk about what this represents, this represents continuation of Hampton actually scheduling a lot of MEAC foes. You know, like let's take North Carolina a out of the conversation because they have to face the Aggies. Hampton, North Carolina a &T, they were in the Big South together for a year. They're in the CAA together now. So, like, they have to face them. That's a different conversation. But they faced Howard every year except for one. And then they've also faced Norfolk State, I think, each of the last three years. So you've had an additional, and if it wasn't Norfolk State one of those years, it was still another um, MEAC school. So you're looking at, Howard and Norfolk State for a couple of years in a row. And now this year, three of their four out-of-conference games, right? Because Hampton plays in the CAA now. Even though they're in the CAA, I think Hampton has made a calculated and concerted effort to schedule more HBCUs. And not just Howard. They've also, also faced Norfolk State. This year, they're facing Howard, Norfolk State. They're facing Morgan State in this classic that I'm speaking about, the Brick City Classic. Three of their four out-of-conference games are against MEAC opponents. And the only one that's not is against Virginia Union, which is a D2 HBCU. So all of their out-of-conference games that Hampton is going to play is against an HBCU. This feels like a concerted effort. The HBCU Brick City Classic, to me, and the announcement of it, represents two larger, larger um, themes here. One, continued, uh, continued Northeastern exposure. And then two, Hampton's concerted effort to play more MEAC games. So if you want to have one takeaway or two takeaways from this, the two takeaways you should have is HBCUs continue to try to expose themselves to other markets, whether that's the West Coast with the CB3 games or in these multiple games in the Northeast. And then also it appears that Hampton is attempting to schedule more of their former MEAC opponents. And I even heard some people talk about how uh, Hampton coming back. So we'll look at that. But I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. I truly do genuinely appreciate it. So thank you for that. Tomorrow we'll be back. I'll likely look at Alabama State's recruiting class because they have two big time recruits and they're both from SWAC schools. In the meantime, between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. 
Until the next time that we hear each other family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.